I want to read it in the Amplified in Ephesians 1.17. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and the intimate knowledge of him. You all know the story of, uh, of King Nebuchadnezzar. He had a dream. And he was very upset because uh, none of the wise men could reveal the dream. And so he was going to, he said, I don't need any of these people. I guess I'm just going to kill them and get rid of them. But uh, Daniel thought, oh, we don't want to do that. You know, so he goes to talk to the, t- the king. And then he went back home and he got together with his three prayer partners, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were prayer partners. You should always have a personal prayer partner. So he got with his personal prayer partners, and they prayed. And it said, and then after they prayed, I'm sure they probably praised the Lord. They went home. Daniel went to bed. And in the night, in a dream, God revealed the mystery. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, your God is the revealer of mysteries. You see, the world can recognize that. But so it's important that you understand God will reveal the mystery to you. And so when you're praying and you're going into that prayer closet, you stay there not only till you see your prayer answered, but you stay there till your mystery is revealed to you. You know, sometimes it takes effort, but, you know, it's worth all the effort. It is worth all the effort to have that mystery revealed to you. You know, Jesus always went to the mountains to pray. He loved to be alone with the Father and pray in the mountains. And uh, one day, he invited Peter, James, and John to go with him. Now, they're fishermen. They're not used to uh, mountain climbing. But it said uh, Jesus took them that day to a high mountain. Not a low mountain, but that day they're going to a high mountain. So I'm sure halfway up there, Peter, James, and John, they're probably huffing and a-puffing. Jesus probably wondering, Jesus, are we there yet? (laughs) We there yet? But when they got to the top of that mountain... And they witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus. Don't you know it was worth all the effort it took to climb that mountain? You see, things happen on the mountaintop. They just don't happen in the valley below. It takes effort. You want that mystery to be revealed? It's going to take effort to get into that prayer closet. It's going to take effort to go and go on a tour with the Holy Spirit so he's got time to reveal things to you. Once again, God's plans and his purposes are all processed through prayer. Now, God's plan for the whole world was established before the foundation of the earth. His plan was established. And he already, at that time, he chose all the character roles that would need to be played out in the universe. He's got all kinds of characters. And not only did he choose the character, but he chose specific players to play each specific character role. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you were to have a Christmas drama... And you're going to have Mary and Joseph and the wise men. Well, you don't want grandpa to be Joseph. He could be the wise man. But you don't want, you know, understand, you you have to have the right player in the right character role. Prayer is well put the right character, the right player in the proper character role they need to be in. Because there's players out there that are in the wrong character role. And praise God, we've got some good 
players in some right character roles right now. But uh, that and prayer will put you in the right position that you need to be. He knows which character role you're supposed to be playing because every person has a supply. Every one of you have a supply. Every one of you have an assignment to be on a specific character role. And that's what prayer does. Prayer will help you, especially when you get involved in corporate prayer in your church. You need to be involved in corporate prayer uh, in your church. Um, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard has not entered into the heart of man. All that God has prepared, made, he keeps ready for those who love him, for those who, um, who love him with all their heart, who hold him in reverence. Reverence matters to God. It really matters that we reverence God in our speech, in our attire, in everything that we do. It really matters to God. So, you know, sometimes I am so grieved when I hear Christians use certain slang words. I thought, ooh, that's not a godly word. It's not a swear word, maybe, but it's not, it's not a, a godly word. And you know what? It, those things matter to God. It matters how we dress. Everything matters to God. Reverence matters to God. And then to be quickly and promptly obey. You always want to be quick to obey, quick to repent, quick to forgive, and slow to speak. Amen? So these things matter to God. So when you pray to God and the Holy Spirit, you know, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he's going to guide you into all of the truth. And he does not speak on his own authority. He only speaks what he hears the Father tell him to say. So if you can just envision a big circle, God's at the top, we're at the bottom, and the Holy Spirit connects with both of us. When I pray to the Father God, the Holy Spirit, he takes my prayer up to the throne room. The Bible says the Lord hears the prayers of the righteous, and he wants to answer those prayers. So when God answers my prayer, he's going to answer it via the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is only going to tell me what he heard the Father tell him to say. That's the only thing he ever speaks. He, doesn't, he has no communication with an untruth. He only knows the truth. So you can trust uh, what you hear from the Holy Spirit. But that's why you want to build yourself up so you are very in tune. When you pray in tongues, you are causing your spirit to be more sensitive to the voice of your Father. When you ask God questions, you want to be sure you hear the answer. And to hear the answer, you've got to be sensitive. When the Holy Spirit speaks, you've got to know, ooh, that was God speaking to me. Amen. So that's important that you learn to listen. You need to learn to be quiet. It's just like um, if you go to a restaurant and it's really, really maybe a busy night, maybe on a Friday night, and it's just packed out with people. You could close your eyes and know that it's busy because you would hear all these voices. You know it's busy, busy, play, But when you sit down at your table, you're only listening to the people at your table. You can still hear all those other voices, but you're not listening to them. You're only listening to the ones at your table. See, there's, the devil's got a lot of voices out there. But you want to learn to listen only to the voice of the Father. 
that comes from within. Learn, and not only learn to listen, but you've got to learn to discipline your mind, and you've got to learn to quiet your mind. And that takes some practice. You've got to learn to quiet your mind. I'm going to give you an illustration, because when I went to Ramah, um, and I saw the people, how they could pray, I thought, wow, i got to learn how to do that. I want three people to stand up here. Maybe you three right up here. Stand up here. I'll have you stand in front. You're nice and short like me. Okay. Okay, when I went to Ramah, and I could not pray for an hour. I thought, how do they do that? How do they stay so focused and be able to pray like that? So I thought, okay, I'm going to practice praying. So I thought, because usually I would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get ready to go to Bible school at Ramah. I thought, I'm going to set the alarm for 5 o'clock. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to pray for an hour. Now, remember, you are a spirit. You stand right behind her. You have a soul, and you live in a body. So the alarm went off at 5 o'clock. It was wintertime, Oklahoma. I thought, ooh, it's cold in here, and it's so cozy in the bed. Well, I'll just pray in bed. <laughs> You're laughing. You know what happened. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes later, I woke up again. So what I did, I thought, okay, I am a spirit. So then I looked at my soul and my body as my children. I thought, I'm the parent because you are a spirit. You are to be in charge. So I said, body, that was bad behavior. You were supposed to stay awake. Therefore, I made my body get out of bed and go sit on a chair. I said, now you sit there. You stay there. So then we're all sitting in the chair and we're praying. About five minutes later, this child, oh, this child wandered off into the kitchen. I wonder what I should eat this morning. I said, you be quiet. You get back in there in this prayer closet. And we're praying. Just sit there on that chair. So we're all praying. Five minutes later, there he went again. Now he wandered off into the closet. What should I wear to Bible school today? Uh, you be quiet. You get back in there and pray. I had to dis- This was my biggest problem, my mind. <laughs> Amen, sister, she said. But I had to discipline my mind. Within a matter of days... We all three did some kingdom business because I disciplined the mind. Thank you. Better behavior next time. (laughs) But you see how it's important that you discipline your mind. You have to train your mind to be quiet. So corporate prayer is the lifeline of the church. And it releases the power of God into your church. If one can flee a thousand... Two doesn't flee 2,000. Two can flee 10,000. You see the, the massive multiplication there with just two people? Mark eleven twenty three. prayer can, we know that powerful scripture, prayer can move a mountain, but corporate prayer can affect your nation. And if it can affect your nation, it can surely affect your community. And it can affect your church. There's people in the church that not everybody's on the same page. We need to get everybody on the same page, get everybody involved, because you are the church. The building's not the church. The people are the church. 
And the church is only as strong as the people are. In Acts chapter 12, in verse 5, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So we see here that the church was involved in the corporate prayer. And in corporate prayer, there was a corporate assignment. In other words, we could call it a target. This corporate prayer room, prayer meeting, had a target, and their target was Peter. When you have a target, then it's so much easier to hit the bullseye. If you don't have a target, how are you ever going to hit the bullseye? And that comes from from, uh, being focused. See, I had to, when, when, uh, when I disciplined my mind to be quiet, I, I set myself a target. I thought, okay, we're going to pray for Brother Hagen, and I'm going to pray for all my teachers in school that day, every day. So I had, a, I had a target, and it helped my mind to be focused. See, so you need to have a target so that your mind, you need to have your mind involved with it. Mm-hmm. Because if your mind is wandering off over there, you're not connecting. You need the whole spirit, soul, and body in there doing kingdom business because then you'll do exploits. So you got to quiet the mind because if it's wandering off over here, you're not being a productive. So they had a corporate assignment and they hit the bullseye. And see, we can hit the bullseye in corporate prayer. So I like to say like in James 5.16, the effectual, fervent corporate prayer of a righteous church makes tremendous power available. It's dynamic in its results. Now, corporate prayer is more than coming together in the same room. You can be in the same room, but that doesn't mean it's corporate prayer. It's only corporate when you are in one accord. You have to have that target. Without that target, you'll not be in one accord. So the value of that target, you think about Paul and Silas when they were in prison. And Paul probably kicked Silas. He said, Silas, get up. Let's get up. Remember what the psalmist said? Praise the Lord at midnight. Let's get up and we just praise the Lord. Well, prayer and praise and worship, that's the highest form you can pray. And so they're offering to God the highest form of prayer. And it caused an earthquake. And when God brings an earthquake, it, nobody gets hurt. All it does is open prison doors. It makes a way where there seems to be no... It'll, it'll make the crooked places straight. It'll exalt the valley and make the mountains low when God does it. Forget about Mother Earth or whatever they call that other thing. You know. But you see, in corporate prayer... I mean, people got saved. The pri- I mean, the door literally opened up in that prison. Amen. Just those two in agreement, mm. in one accord, made tremendous power available. You can just imagine what can happen when your church, when everybody comes together in one accord and hits that target. So you, but you need to be focused. You get that target out there because every person has a supply. Don't you ever feel inferior in corporate prayer. You might be sitting next to somebody that can be so flamboyant in their language, but that doesn't have any more value than you. 
Don't ever think, well, I can't pray like that person. Do you know God? Can you say, hello, God? Can you pour out your heart to God? That's all you need. That's all. And praise God, some people are very, you know, they've got this beautiful language in prayer. But that doesn't make any difference. God hears your prayer. and he need, Every person has a supply. That my hand can't say, I don't need my feet. I need every part of me. And we all need all of you working together. Every person has a very important supply to bring. And you, the supply you bring to corporate prayer is determined what you do in the secret place at home. What you are at home determines the supply that you bring corporately. So your, your quiet prayer time at home is very, very important. Uh, when I was back at Ramah, I went to a prayer school every day. But then we also had the privilege. Uh, there was a man by the name of Phil Halverson. He was bro- one of Brother Hagen's key intercessors. And he would come to my friend's house on Friday nights. And a bunch of us would get together. We're sitting on the couch where some of us are sitting on the stairs. And the rest of us were sitting Indian style on the floor listening to Phil Halverson teach us to pray. And man, that man take you into the throne room in a New York second. And um, he taught us. And I want to share some things how he taught us to pray. He said... Uh, victory is never determined by volume. Sometimes you get people in the church and they want to shout, 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 shout. Volume is not what causes the answer to the prayer. Victory is not determined by volume. It's determined by the power on the inside of you. So when you're in corporate prayer, there should be a leader. One person, usually the pastor, would be the leader of the corporate prayer. And uh, you would maybe you have uh, you have your target, and so we'll just say that the leader is going to begin to pray. He's going to pray in English. Just present the target to Father God, and then um, he will go and pray in his heavenly language. Now your your job is to be in one accord with that leader. So you listen. To what the leader is saying. So if everybody is shouting, nobody can hear the leader. So it's important because remember, victory isn't determined by the volume. So you want to be able to hear the leader. So when the leader says something in English, you agree with that. You might even, you don't have to repeat long sentences, just a prayer or just a word. He might be praying for uh, uh, wisdom, wisdom, Lord, Lord, we thank you for wisdom, wisdom, thank you, Father, got wisdom, wisdom, Father, we thank you for the wisdom, the wisdom. Then when he prays in heavenly language, you all pray in tongues. Because there's no greater one accord than when everybody is praying in tongues because the Holy Spirit is always in agreement with himself with all of you. So you can imagine the strength of everybody's praying in tongues. So now you're praying in tongues. And then the Holy Spirit might give that leader uh, one word, another one word or maybe two words. Then that leader can speak out just what the Holy Spirit just said. Might just be like I say, one word, 
two words. Doesn't have to be paragraphs. Doesn't have to be sentences. It could be maybe a sentence. But then you just then whatever he prays in English, just repeat it. Just come into agreement. Don't go wandering off and adding stuff to it. Just pray in one accord. Then after he's got that in English, then we're going to zero in and pray that in the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit now is going to perfect those words that were in English. So then you just just keep going on. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? So you always want to follow the leader. And at some point, the leader will know, oh, we just finished. Praise the Lord. We just finished. Could, maybe you'll be done in 20 minutes. Might be an hour and a half. But then you end praise. Just end it in praise. Just end in praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've heard the prayer. You don't have to even understand what you prayed for. Now, I want to give you an example. One time uh, we were with Phil Halverson, and uh, he welcomed the Holy Spirit. We're starting to pray. And all of a sudden, uh, he, he, he just welcomed the Holy Spirit, and then he prayed in tongues. And then he got... A word. I think it was two words. He said, um, the Holy Spirit just said, we're supposed to be praying in accord with one accord with these, there's three women. Three women. All I know, there's three women. Lord, we just lift up these three women to you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the three women. So everybody said, oh, Lord, we thank you for those three women. Wherever they are, whatever the, thank you, Lord, for the three women. And then we prayed in the Holy Spirit for a while. And this went on for several weeks, but then he would get something. And every week we picked up where we left off because it wasn't finished. So then he said, oh, the three women, they live in a white house. There's white, they're all in a little white house. Lord, we thank you for the three women that live in the little white house. So there we went. We were adding on. Thank you, Lord, for the three women in the little white house. Whatever they're doing, Lord, we're just hooking up with what they're doing. And then we just prayed in the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and then, then the next thing, oh, there's a specialist. They're doing something really special, really important. Okay, Lord, those three women in that little white house were just hooking up with that special assignment that you've given them. You know? And so then we're doing that. And then one day he says, oh, whatever it was, it's done. Praise the Lord. Well, several years later, now see, you never always know what you've prayed for. Several years later, I was in church and we had a guest speaker. The guest speaker, he does a lot of missionary work and stuff, missions, and, and I know him. And he said, oh, i got to tell you this story about these three women. And as soon as he said that, the Holy Ghost said, this is that. I said, oh, my goodness, he's going to tell what we prayed for. He says, there were these three women, and they lived on a military base. All these white houses are all in the White House and all these military bases. And they were praying for a Brother Hagen's books to be translated into their language and to get into their country. I thought, Wow. And he said, and all their husbands worked in the military. And so one of them got stationed back into America in Washington, D.C., and he was a pilot, and he flew one of the military flights, planes. And so the other two women said, why don't you give your husband a honey-do list, and we just found out about Brother Hagen's books, and have him get those books over here on that, on that military plane. And they did it. I thought, wow, that's, and he said, this is that what you prayed for. <laughs> but see, it was just those little words we don't know. You don't have to know all of it, but you just trust in God. But, but that's the best way to pray in corporate prayer, that you follow the leader. And, you know, you might think, oh, God just gave me a word. Well, if he did, God will tell the leader to have you give that word. 
But it's so important that you submit. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about fulfilling the goal of what God has in his agenda. It's his agenda. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about uh, I need to be recognized. It's not about that at all. Amen. We just need to learn to submit and surrender. Amen. Because, I mean, it is so exciting. Even if you didn't even know what had happened, you just knew, wow, we just did some kingdom business. Glory to God. I mean, that is just so awesome. It's just so rewarding when you know you have accomplished something like that. But it's so important that you understand that um, God wants to answer that prayer. Again, you don't always understand it, but you need to follow the leader. And it's so easy to follow when you've got that target because then you can stay focused. Because every person has a supply. Every one of you have a supply. Don't ever feel inferior. Don't ever think that you don't have anything to offer. Now, once again, strength in the corporate prayer comes from the secret place at home. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He's my fortress. He's my God, in him will I trust. And see, secrets can be revealed in the secret place. And you'll find your assignment not only in the secret place, but when you get involved with corporate prayer and every person, especially if you're involved in the church in any area of ministry, you need to be a part of corporate prayer. You need to be a part of corporate prayer if you're serving in any capacity. I don't care if, you're, if, you, uh, if your job is to straighten the chairs or sweep the floor or be an usher or a greeter or work in the children's ministry. And I'm going to say something about children's ministry. Children's ministry is very vital. Sometimes people, will, there'll be a great speaker, some famous person speaking in the church, and you go to pick up your kids from the nursery, and you say to that nursery worker, well, you really missed it today. Don't ever say that. They are speaking into a life that has never been contaminated with religious spirits. Mm -hmm. There's no garbage in that precious little Mm -hmm. saint. Mm -hmm. And they are speaking life into that pure saint. Don't ever tell them they missed it. I mean, that is a precious play. What an honor to speak into the life of a child. What an honor that you can guide that child. I don't know how I got off on that, but anyway. (laughs) But um, it's just important because, um, and the Holy Spirit is your greatest prayer partner. He is your greatest prayer partner. So you want to remember to to, um, really trust in the Holy Spirit. I can remember, um, if I can share this. Well, let me, let me go back. I, I, if the Lord reminds me again, I'll do it again. I want to make sure I'm, I'm hearing God right. <laughs> in 1 John 2.20, but you have an anointing. Sometimes one translation is an unction from the Holy One, and you know things. Don't ever be in a situation, oh, I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. We always say, oh, I don't know. I don't. You do know. You know within. So you got to reach within. We have that, that uh, anointing, that supernaturally natural ability to know from within. And again, 
Let me say something about the strength of corporate prayer. It is the strongest when everybody is praying in their heavenly language. And sometimes I have been involved in uh, like citywide prayer meetings. And we think, wow, a citywide prayer meeting. How awesome is that? And it's, and it's good. But prayer, corporate prayer in your local church is stronger than a citywide prayer meeting. Much stronger. Because all of you are fed the same diet. So you are in one accord. There might be another church over here. Maybe they don't even believe in healing or really, really believe that God answers prayer. And so you're, you're trying to be in one accord with them? Mm-mm. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to a citywide prayer meeting. I'm just saying that it's not as strong as your own prayer. Because they're being fed one diet. They're being fed another diet. You're being fed another diet. So the strength is in your own corporate prayer. It is so awesome that you be, I can't emphasize enough how important it is that every one of you be in, in, in corporate prayer. Because once again, on a personal level, when you're involved with corporate prayer, you're going to begin to, without even realizing it, find your assignment in the kingdom. And God will reveal that to the pastor. And he'll reveal it to you. And you might one day say, Pastor, I just need to talk to you about something. Pastor's going to say, yep, I know. Told us in corporate prayer, didn't he? <laughs> See, it's a revealing, a revealing of a secret. But you can find your place. But you need to be involved in corporate prayer. But again, the strength you bring to corporate prayer is what you did in the secret place at home. You understand that? You need to have that intimate time with God at home because then you come. He's no stranger to you. You've been with him all all week long. So now you're just hooking up with everybody else that's been in their secret place. I'm telling you, dynamic results can happen in corporate prayer. It is so, so, so important. Um, Again, I just can't emphasize it, but it it helps you to stay focused because you've got a target. You understand what I'm saying? That um, um, in Psalms 91 in the Amplified, I want to read it in the Amplified. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my God. On him I lean and I rely, and in him I confidently trust. You got to know that you can you get fully persuaded in, the, in, the, in trusting the Lord. For then, then, and not before, but, but then, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. And that's just not only just for... Uh, you individually, but, but corporately. You, your church needs to be protected. Very, and your pastors need to be protected. And so when you come in corporate prayer, or in your secret place, you can pray for your pastors in the secret place. But in corporate prayer, when you have that target, the target is never to be about individual people in the church for, oh, he needs healing, he needs a job. Those are things that you take to your your prayer partner. Mm -hmm. Corporate prayer has a corporate assignment. Mm -hmm. 
not individual assignment. Understand? That's why everybody should have a prayer partner. You got something going on? Talk to your prayer partner. If two agree, it's all you need. But corporate prayer, like I was at a, um, I've been invited to several prayer meetings at different churches. I was at one just recently. And all they did was pray for individuals. And they pass out here, you pray for this person, you pray for that person. You can walk around, do whatever you want. Well, we're not, in, we're not corporate here. They're in that corner, he's in that, I don't even know what they're praying. And that's why sometimes you don't see strong prayer groups because those people can say, well, I can do that at home. Yeah. Just tell me, you want me to pray for Sally? Sure, I'll get her covered, sitting there while on the couch. <laughs> really? That's why some prayer groups are so small because they, they don't have the right, tar- they don't even have a target. No. And then they went, well, why didn't anybody come? When you got a target, man, you're going to hit the bullseye. There is nothing more exciting than hitting the bullseye doing something for kingdom business. I mean, how, prayer is never meant to be boring. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, I can't tell you how excited I got when, when the Holy Spirit said, this is that, what you prayed for three years ago. I was actually, it was longer than that. This is that. I thought, wow. But even if you don't know, there's just something on the inside that you, wow, I don't know what it was, but we just did some kingdom business. Isn't that fabulous? You just know that you know that you know that you just, man, you just ran a marathon. You just ran a marathon. It's just so exciting. So it should never, never, never be boring. It is so exciting. Um, in Psalms 144, two, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, the one in whom I take refuge. And so, you know, you just have to trust in the Lord. But remember, it does take, takes effort. You know, I was, um, I had invited some people to come and visit me from the Holy Land. And uh, they wanted to see San Diego. They'd never seen San Diego before I lived in San Diego beautiful city, and it was on a Friday, and they said, Marilyn, um, could we go downtown and see San Diego? I said, well, of course. Now, it's Friday, heavy traffic going into San Diego on Friday, but they're my friends, so of course, we're going to drive down to San Diego. So when I get down there, I always stop at a place called Harbor Drive because it's a beautiful view. You see the whole skyline of San Diego. You see the beautiful Coronado Bridge. You see the big military base with these huge ocean liners out there. I mean, it's just fabulous. So we stopped there, and they got out, and they took a few pictures. And I said, okay, now let's get in the car, and we'll go over, and we can go across the Coronado Bridge, and I'll take you to see the big ship, the Midway, from Pearl Harbor right there, docked there in San Diego. And they said, oh, no, we're done. I said, excuse me. <laughs> uh, we're done, Marilyn. I said, done with what? Well, we're done seeing San Diego. I said, well, we just got here. They said, yes, but... Isn't that San Diego over there? I said, yes, that is San Diego over there. They said, well, we just wanted to say we saw San Diego. So we turned around and went home. But see, they were content to see San Diego from afar. Don't you ever be content to commune from afar. It's going to take effort to climb that mountain. But I'm telling you, it's worth it all. It takes effort. 
to climb that mountain. And you can go on a tour. You know, you come to San Diego, you can, you can go on a, a one-hour boat ride, or you can take a two-and-a-half-hour boat ride, or you could go up to San Francisco and have a half-a-day tour. You go to see Fisherman's Wharf. You can go to Chinatown. You can go on the Winding Street, Lumbar Street. You can go out to Alcatraz. I mean, it takes a whole half-a-day to tour San, San Francisco if you want to do the half-a-day tour. But the longer the tour, the more you see. So you're going to see more on that two-and-a-half-hour trip than you did the one hour. And on a two-and-a-half-a-day half tour, you're going to see a whole lot more than you did on the one hour. The more time you take in going on a tour with the Holy Ghost, oh, man, the more he can show you. The more you're giving him time to reveal and unfold the mystery, the secret about your church, about your personal life, about your children, about your health. He knows what's going on. We don't want to rush him. You know, um, don't think that you don't have time. I can remember when my kids were little, and I thought, you know, I'm so busy, because back then we didn't have pampers. We washed the diapers, we folded the diapers, we hung them out on the clothesline, you know, and they smelled so fresh. But that takes a lot of work, you know. And, and I thought, you know, if I, just, if I just slow down and spend time, just a few minutes in the Word, and then I can just talk to God throughout the day, but I'm going to read the Word, He will redeem that time. And it was so worth it all. It's so worth it all. Just to put him first, and then he just multiplies everything else. Because he doesn't want you to be late for work. He doesn't want you to miss out on this or that. But he wants to be the center. He wants to orchestrate it so that it just all falls in place. It's just so glorious. But just think about going on a tour with the Holy Ghost. Now, how awesome is that? And have him reveal those mysteries and secrets, the things that you've been scratching your head about. I mean, it can, you can think about something for months and months, and how am I ever going to get this resolved when one hundredth of a second you can have the answer just like that? How glorious. And just trusting, just trust in the Lord. You know, there's going to be situations in your life that, you know, I talked about, Shattered dreams and disappointments and things. And those things are going to happen. And there will, some things will happen that you have no control over. You do not have any control over it. You do have control over how you handle it, how you respond to it. But you don't have control over it happening or not happening. Um, but when you can pray in the Holy Spirit. Okay, Lord, I will share that. Um, a number of years ago, um, I had a missing child. Uh, it, it's a horrible thing to have a missing child. It's, it's a tragic thing when a young child uh, passes away. But at some point, you can get closure. But when you've got a missing child, there's never closure. No closure when a child's missing because you don't know where they're at. Uh, are they dead? Are they alive? Is somebody hurting them? You have, you have no clue. And your mind can just, I mean, you can have negative thoughts don't come slowly one at a time. It's like a hurricane. They come in, bombard you like a hurricane. And um, I called a friend. I had just been hearing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
I said, I don't understand all that. I just know I need it. Please come, come quick, come quick. <laughs> you know, because I got to pray. I have to know I can pray a perfect prayer for my child. Because my child needs an effective, heartfelt prayer of a righteous mother, not a panicked parent. If I panic, I will not be effective. I won't lose my righteousness. I just lose my effectiveness. So I need to be stable. I need to know how to stay in the secret place and be calm and be stable. So I started praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm just going to skip ahead to one one little segment of this story. Um, My child was missing for four months and three days. Uh, No clue. Police couldn't find her. There was an all-points bulletin. But anyway, I I spent much time, much time praying in the Holy Ghost, much time in the Word of God. I even had one of those little Bibles that you can buy for $1. They're about an inch big. They just have them on the shelf there at the bookstore. And I just picked one of those up. And when I drove my car, I read a scripture when I had a, when I had a red light. Green light drove, red light scripture. Green light drove, red light I read. Because I had to keep my thoughts captive. I, I was in the Word and praying the Holy Ghost constantly. And uh, one morning I was getting ready to go to church. I'm walking out the door. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go to that Pentecostal church down on Tylersville Road today. He wasn't telling me to leave my church. He just said, today, you need to be there. The Holy Spirit, when he guides you into all the truth, you can always be at the right place all the time. Sometimes a negative thing happens and people say, well, that person was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Almost implies that you can be in the wrong place at the right time. (laughs) If it's the wrong place, honey, it's always the wrong time. So the Holy Spirit was saying, today you need to be at the Pentecostal church. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll go. I don't know what time church starts, uh, but I know if I obey you, I'll be right on time in the Spirit. So I went to the church, and yes, I was late in the natural church. was already started, and it was big-time Pentecostal. I thought, oh, my land, I don't fit in here, you know. And I think I'll just sit on the back row because I wasn't dressed like these ladies were dressed, you know, no makeup, hair in a bun. And I thought, oh, okay. So the church had already started. There was a woman pastor, and she saw me come in the back door because she was already preaching, and I'm, I'm going in the back row to sit down. And she's, oh, you there. No, 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 no. Come on. Come on in. I thought, oh, glory. She said, come, come, come on down. Come on down. I thought, gosh, you might want to cast the devil out of me. So I was, you know, I thought, oh, my land. So I started walking down that center aisle. I got about halfway down, and she said, stop. Stop right there. I thought, oh, boy, here it comes. You know? <laughs> she said, stop right there. Now, this was in the middle of service. She's stopping the whole service. And then she said, something has happened in her life. And God has called us to pray for her today. And so the whole church started praying in tongues. And then all of a sudden, somebody over here gave a message in tongues. The minute they were finished, this person over here immediately gave the, invita- the interpretation. And the Lord said... I know right where she is. And all my angels are around her. And you will hear from her soon. Now, I don't even know how I got home from church. But see, that's the power of just praying and tapping in to the mystery, to the secrets. 
is so valuable. I can't emphasize that enough. I just can't emphasize it enough. But what I would like to do with you today is, if there's, who here does not pray in a heavenly language? Okay. Or maybe, I want you to come up here. I want to pray with you. Um, but, but wait, I want to explain something else first. Um, and maybe you have prayed, but it's not, it's not fluent. Or when I say fluent, I mean you don't do it on a regular basis. You want to do it on a regular basis because you are tapping in to the one that perfects your prayer. I love knowing. I get so much peace knowing I just prayed a perfect prayer for somebody that is so dear to my heart or to, for my pastor or something. We need this breakthrough for the church. I just prayed a perfect prayer for my church, for my pastor, for my family. For my nation. I just prayed a perfect prayer for my nation. You can't live without it. So if you don't, if you don't pray on a regular basis or you've never prayed, I want to pray for you today. But let me just, let me just I want you to turn to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2. Well, we'll look at Acts chapter 1 first. Because I'm talking to you about so much of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know you know these scriptures, but it's good to keep it before your eyes. And it's, let's just uh, look in, in uh, verse 7. This is Jesus speaking. It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But there is something for us. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth, and into your neighborhood, into your workplace. Amen? And so in verse uh, chapter 2, um, let's just start with verse, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord... You hear, see that? One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began, we could say, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. So we see here the Holy Spirit's involved, you're involved, God's involved. So you all know the story of Peter when he walked on the water. Who knows, who ever heard that story? Peter walked on the water. For Peter to walk on the water, the supernatural part was not walking. He walked all the time with Jesus. He even climbed that high mountain with Jesus. The miracle wasn't that he walked because he did it all the time. The miracle was where he walked, on the water. And in order for him to walk on the water, he had to take a step. Without taking a step, he could not walk on the water. If he just stayed there in the boat and said, Lord, call me, I'm coming, Call me. Jesus is calling. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. You never take a step. He had to take a step. So when you speak in tongues, you have to use your vocal cords. 
You have to open your mouth. You have to make a sound. If I don't open my mouth, you'll not hear one word I say. In order for me to speak, I have to open my mouth and use my vocal cords. So in order for you to speak in tongues, you have to open your mouth and let a sound come out. You don't have to understand the sound because the miracle part is what's coming out. It's not you. But it can't come out if you don't take the step. Amen? Amen. Does, that kind of, does that kind of help you understand how it works? So it's not about understanding. You don't reach up here. You reach in here. And everybody can do it because the whole, if the Holy... Is everybody, let me just ask a question. Because um, I don't know many of you. I'll just close your eyes for just a moment. The Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father to his children. If you have never prayed and you have never asked Jesus to come into your life... You have to have that. You have to, have, you have to be born again to be made righteous. You have to be born again to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You never want to miss that gift because it's from God. But the greater gift is when your spirit comes alive to the spirit of the Lord God Almighty and you are made righteous. So if you've never prayed and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you don't know for sure that if you were to die today, if you would go to heaven. That is, that is the greatest miracle. That is far greater than speaking in tongues. You need to know that you're going to go to heaven. So if you've never prayed that prayer, all you have to do is just believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross and he rose again from the dead just for you. Then you are guaranteed two things. If you believe that and ask him to come into your life, you are guaranteed that when you leave this earth, you will be with him in heaven forever and ever and ever. And then you're also guaranteed that while you're on this earth, the Holy Spirit will come and live in you every breathing moment to guide you, to help you, to speak to you. You are guaranteed those two things. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you and he will live in you forever. So if you've never prayed that prayer, I want you just to raise your hand. If there's anybody here at all, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life.